we're never really taught that it's okay to have our own boundaries. And I define boundaries as the limits that we set around what's okay and what's not okay for us. So we end up essentially tolerating the intolerable and accepting the unacceptable. How's your money mindset? Today, we're going to find out with Nancy Levin. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your interior design business? Then welcome to Wingnut Social, the podcast specifically designed to accelerate your business through increased social media presence, impactful online content, and translating industry experience into physical success. This is your design business tightly fastened. Now welcome the hosts of Wingnut Social, Darla Powell and Natalie Graff. Thank you to our sponsor, Article. Article is an online-only furniture company inspired by mid-century style and Scandinavian simplicity. And now Article has something extra special for Wingnut listeners. If you go to wingnut.article.com, you'll get double your trade discount on all purchases until July 31st. To access this limited-time offer, sign up today again at wingnut.article.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, the Grand High Poobah of all things Wingnut, Darla Jethro Powell, and I'm joined by Leggy Anderson, Ginger Graff. Ah, uh, yes. Hello, Jethro. Hey, those are some nice legs you're sporting there. Any reason for that? Uh, Peloton? Maybe? <laughs> possibly? I think I don't I, know. Yeah, that thing's working pretty well there, right? I guess so. You guys should have heard her. Oh my God, you should have heard her working out yesterday. <laughs> she had her headphones in, so all, all there is is the bike and Natalie, so you're not hearing the class. All these expletives come out of her mouth. F words, S words, holy beep, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. What the beep? And your daughter came out and said, what is going on? (laughs) I woke her up because the gym uh, is the same wall that her bedroom's on and it kind of woke her up. But it was 1030. She needed to get up. She didn't need to wake up, but what a way to... (laughs) You are not happy with that instructor. I was not. I would like to point out that your boat dog... Mm-hmm. is sitting here with me on the sofa. I yeah, whatever. Wanted, I Natalie, just to point that out. Natalie and Giraffe, you know, recently we just hired a, a business coach for Wingnut Social to help us with our growth, and that's Kelly Campbell. And Kelly got me thinking a lot about my money mindset and how how crappy it is. <laughs> it's really bad. It's something that I have personally struggled with. So I said, you know, let me do some in-depth research on this. And I've came across this book called Worthy by Nancy Levin. And I just love it so far. I haven't finished it full transparency. I'm about halfway through, but instantly I knew I wanted to have Nancy as a guest on the podcast to discuss money mindset. And I'm finding that it's not unique to the fairer sex, to women, right? Men and women both can have a a crappy or an unhealthy money mindset or have that to be an obstacle to overcome. But a lot of women predominantly have struggles with money mindset and self-worth and, oh my God, are people actually going to pay this? Because you know, one of the biggest things that the coaches in the industry teach are, you know, charge your worth, charge what you're worth. And when Kelly came to us and said, oh my God, you're charging this for that service? You're way undercharging. My first gut reaction was like, are they going to pay that for these services? Are we worth this? And even though I know from a conscious level, yes, we are. It's a terrific service we pay. I have this like, I still have, I still struggle with why would anybody want to pay me for A? Why would anyone want to pay me for Z? That's a lot of money. And you know that I've been struggling with this ever since we launched Darla Powell Interiors on the design side, right? With, oh my God, are they going to pay this for this design? And it's only been in little baby increments. 
then when we've raised prices and people do sign that I've been like brave enough to keep raising them <laughs> and slow, but still, I still do struggle with this. You care to contribute? No, I'm just listening because it sounds like a confessional here and you're like uh, fessing up to all the things that you struggle with. And I'm so glad to hear that this book has uh, done wonders for you because Kelly and I both decided to keep you away from the finances. <laughs> I know. I'm like, don't let me get in there. Don't let me get in there and talk about money. But it shouldn't be like that, right? I should actually be able to be comfortable in, my, in that space and to own that. And I actually, I feel better confessing this. I, I, I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone. Right? No, you're not alone. All right. As I mentioned, Nancy Levin is the author of Worthy, a book that I am in the middle of. I haven't quite finished yet, but so far has really given me some aha moments for money mindset. She is a master coach and best-selling author of several books, including her latest, Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free. Ooh, that sounds good. I should check that out. She's the former event director at Hay House for over a decade. Nancy is also the creator of Love and Life Coach Academy and offers in-depth coaching and training programs designed to support clients in making themselves a priority and setting boundaries that stick. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Nancy Levin to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, Nancy Levin. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. How the hell are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How about you? I am doing really well. I'm super, super excited to talk to you and hopefully repair some of these uh, money mindset issues that have been uh, on my mind for, oh, what, like 52 years? <laughs> well, this is true, Darla, but it is not all about you because I do know that when we meet in some of the designer circles that we run in, everybody has a problem charging what they're worth. And, oh my gosh, am I charging too much? Why should I charge that too much? And they kind of just like have like, I, think, I don't know, they blank out or they're like, no, we wait, we can't charge that. You know, I would like to say that it's not everybody, Natalie, but it pretty is darn near close. It's close. It is close. Everybody, so, I believe, struggles with this to an extent. So, Nancy, tell us a little bit about the expertise that you bring to this, how you got into the money mindset game, and uh, we'll move on from there. How's that sound? This particular aspect of my life really came about because I was the breadwinner in my marriage and Upon leaving that marriage, I found myself in a very difficult scenario of essentially signing away my entire life to my now ex-husband. It was one of those catch-22 situations where I wouldn't have been able to learn what I did if I hadn't gone through what I did. And essentially, in the mediation itself, it became very clear that I didn't know how to use my voice. I didn't know how to say no. I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to stop the proceedings, even though I was very much crossing my own boundaries in them. So essentially, I ended up agreeing to give him far more than I ever would have wanted to because I didn't know that I didn't have to. Oh, that that just I I had so much gird just rise up. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Feeling some of your pain. Yeah. I, I I've had I have had situations in the past where even though my gut was saying don't do this or with money or where I've made huge financial mistakes because I didn't want to speak up. Yeah. I didn't want to rock the boat. I bought a half a million a dollar house with somebody and I knew the whole time I shouldn't be doing I shouldn't be doing it. But for me I was too afraid to say listen I want to back out I don't want to do this I don't think it's the right thing more so than putting half a million dollars on the line. (laughs) Exactly. And that's really what happens. We're too afraid to stand in our truth. And so we end up going along with something that we know 
doesn't feel right, we know that isn't right, but we're, we're wanting to keep harmony, we're wanting to keep the peace, we're wanting to make sure that someone else is comfortable, even though it means we're abandoning ourselves in the process. Why do we do that? What is that about? So first of all, we're never really taught that it's okay to have our own boundaries. And I define boundaries as the limits that we set around what's okay and what's not okay for us. So we end up essentially tolerating the intolerable and accepting the unacceptable. So our boundaries are really the limits we set personally around what we will or will not do, will or will not accept, and will or will not tolerate. But we're never really taught that it's okay to stand in our truth, that it's okay to stand in our opinion, because what we are taught is in order to be a good girl or a nice girl, this is what you do. Or, you know, the go along to get along, or be seen and not heard. And we start to interpret and internalize essentially staying small and invisible, and we package ourselves to be digestible to everybody else. And that really resonates with me too, as you're saying that, because I'm a people pleaser in that way. And I don't want to make waves because my first thing is, oh, they're not going to like me, or they're going to be unhappy with me, or they're going to leave a bad review, or even though it's a legit thing that I have to bring up with, this Mm -hmm. is outside of this original scope of work, it's going to be an extra bazillion dollars. I'm afraid to say that because I'm afraid of of standing in that space sometimes and and setting those boundaries. And we've completely removed her from all of that. um, (laughs) (laughs) So that's not the answer, right? It's not the answer. So what are some of the signs in your life that you might look at and say, hey, wait a minute, I kind of have a money mindset problem. How can we identify those? Yeah. So resentment, first and foremost to really notice where the resentment is rising. The resentment's rising because we've said yes to something we want to say no to, essentially. Well, I mean, this is just a really loaded question, but how do you go about fixing that? If you know deep down that you should be like, oh, hell no, I shouldn't be doing this, but you do it anyways because you might be a people pleaser, Darla. How do you (laughs) just say, you know what? No, I'm not doing it. Here's the thing. We have to really check in with our knee-jerk yes. We have to learn how to build some space between the request coming in, and our knee-jerk yes. And we have to understand the mindset under the knee-jerk yes. Usually the motivation beneath a knee-jerk yes is, I don't want someone to be angry. I don't want someone to be mad or disappointed. I feel obligated. I feel responsible. I want to show up as the hero. I want to be loved or liked. That's what has us say yes to something when we want to say no. But we have to actually build in the space to assess what's true for us. So I always tell my clients, if you can say no to a request that comes in right off the bat, say no. If you can't say no, simply say, I will get back to you tomorrow. Build in the time to be able to check in, is this a yes? And a yes is really only about desire. A yes is not about obligation or responsibility or wanting to be loved or wanting someone else not to be mad because it's an illusion that we have any control over anyone's emotions anyway. One of the first things I teach in my coach training is we don't make someone mad. We don't make someone happy. We are not responsible for someone's response to our truth. We can't manage their emotion. That's the way we cross over the boundary into their territory. That just so hits home for me because I totally have learned that in the uh, parental 
aspects of things. Yes. <laughs> I think sometimes the same principle applies there. Uh, Absolutely. Just a, a short little brief. My daughter came to me and said, hey, I'd really like to see this person. You know, how often can I see her? You know, I, I you know, once a week, once this. And I'm like, can I get back to you? <laughs> I was like, can I think about this? Can I process this? But here's and- the difference. It's not can I. You're not asking for permission. Ah, okay. Ah, let me get back to you. Okay, let me get back to you. Yeah. Or I will get back to you. Oh, even better. Okay, even better. Well, the end, it all worked out. I mean, I did ask for, what's your timeline? She's like, the sooner the better. And I'm like, well, let me process this and we'll see. (laughs) So I do, I, I definitely can see how, you know, by putting someone off and just almost growing a pair. Is that, can I say that on the podcast? You can say that on the podcast, but is that appropriate? It is because you have to tell someone, I'll get back to you. I will get back to you. That's, I think that's it. I think I just need to grow up here, Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) So, and and part of it is really recognizing that someone else's urgency doesn't have to be yours. Right. I say that all the time. She does. I do because I'm a firefighter and I'm like, your emergency is not mine. Yeah, but you only say that to me. Well, this is true. You don't but say it to clients. I don't say it to clients, but I think it all the time. <laughs> we recently picked up a business coach for the marketing agency, Wingnut Social, because we just wanted to fine tune some stuff. Some processes was from someone that had years and years of experience in the agency side. And when she told us our prices were way too low for the agency side, I had a Baker Act moment. I was like, mm-hmm. what, really? We're charging, you know, we're charging X amount of dollars, which was an increase for us from our very beginning prices. She goes, yeah, you need to be charging at least double that. Triple. Or, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, um, I seriously, I just went in a closet somewhere in a fetal position, started sucking my thumb. I'm like, who's going to pay that for the, even though we do the work and it is mm-hmm. there and it's valued. Mm-hmm. And if I went to another agency and they put in front of me all that was offered for that, I'd say, well, that seems about right. Help me. Help me, Nancy. <laughs> what is that problem? I mean, even the coaches, like, we have clients with us now that are like, you know, I was with a PR agent before and they're considerably less than mm-hmm. I was paying a PR agent to do the same amount of work. So even hearing that, I'm said that helps. And I'm not alone in this. I know a lot of people in the audience, they may have grown up without, you know, an abundance of wealth, an abundance of monies, saw their parents struggling to make ends to pay the bills. And I realize that's not my situation now, but it's hard to escape that. So let's talk, talk a little bit about how much that's ingrained in us as kids or whatever other perspective you have. And Maybe some things or some other things to tell ourselves to help reaffirm that that's not our situation now and and to help straighten that out. The first piece here is really getting clear on knowing that you're not really here to serve everyone. Okay. So when you're clear on your own ideal client, and then you also get clear on valuing your own time and skills, that's when someone else can value them. But when you're not standing in the self-worth piece, when you're not standing in the knowing of what you offer, when you're not valuing your time and your energy, when you don't have healthy boundaries around the work that you're doing, that's when it leaves the door open for someone external not to value you. And what would be a great way to just even begin to start setting up those boundaries to where you have that solid foundation to where you can move past, oh my gosh, I'm not standing in my own space. How do I do this? So we're, we're talking about business here and you're talking about clients and all this. So even from the get-go, and you had mentioned something before about deliverables, from the 
get-go being very clear with an agreement of what the exchange is, what the client is paying and what you're delivering and when. Also being very clear on the time that you're available, the time that you're not available, the ways in which you respond to communication. So it might be something like, I am available Monday through Thursday, 10 to 4 via email only. Oh, okay. Which then means that if a phone call comes in on Friday, you don't take it. And this is where most people get tripped up because we get in this idea of they're my client, they've contacted me, they're paying me, I have to answer the phone at midnight. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, you don't. And you don't actually ever have to answer the phone if you prefer only to work via email or you prefer only to work you know, via text or whatever it might be, Slack, you know, you can very clearly outline to the client, these are the hours I'm available. This is the communication tool that works best for me, or, you know, this is the way I work, laying it all out very, very clearly. And then there's an agreement. There's a, there's buy-in right then and there. And then all the dates and deadlines and deliverables are set there. And you can even go back in midstream. So if you are already mid-contract or mid-agreement, you can go back in and say, you know, when we started this, I realize I didn't put some things in place. So I'd like to open this up again and I'd like to collaborate on what works here. Oh, okay. So I like that idea. So it's not like you're married to an, an original mistake. You can make it fluid. You can always, You can always fix it. So you can set up that rule book at the very beginning of the project. And when an email comes in and Darla might call me and say, hey, we checked your email. You have a notification. I go, yeah, and? (laughs) And she's like, it drives me crazy until I can see it. So it's just a mindset (laughs) of knowing that, hey, I'm only available from Mm -hmm. 8 to 4, Monday through Thursday. Don't mess with me on Friday and getting used to that and being comfortable with that. And sticking to it. Here's the thing. The biggest myth that I bust around boundaries for people is this idea that other people cross our boundaries. The bottom line is that if our boundary is being crossed, we're the one who's crossing it. So it's not so much about don't call me on Fridays. It's about if you call on Fridays, I'm just letting you know I won't be available. It's a very different mindset. Darla, can you not answer the phone on Friday? Probably not. <laughs> okay. We got work to do, Nancy. Well, we do, we, well, Saturday and Sunday, I think, would be more realistic for us. Natalie Andreff. Yes, Darla. You know, as the money girl, for you, the bottom line is so important. And did you know that with Article, interior designers, architects, and other businesses have access to exclusive pricing and tax-exempt purchasing on their entire furniture catalog, plus specialized service by joining Article's trade program? I absolutely knew that, and they have great support. Technical support if you're having issues with the website, invoicing support, product support, it doesn't matter, they just got support. (laughs) They sound well supported. They are. They are amazing. (laughs) And I tell you what, if you want to get in on everything Article has to offer, make sure you become an Article trade member today. And to register, go to wingnut.article.com. That's wingnut.article.com. You can thank us later whatever's true for you. But you have to first be clear about your own availability. And then you need to clearly communicate the availability. 
And then here's the thing. It's not up to anyone else to uphold our boundaries. I see that. So something you said before, Nancy, when you're talking about it's also attracting your ideal client make a huge hell of a difference in that. Because if you're attracting tire kickers or people who aren't your ideal client in the in the price range that you should be operating at, that's going to really reinforce some of your bad habits and wanting to people please and, and take your time to, you know, spend send proposals to people who aren't your ideal clients is just to make sure you're shopping in that, that right swimming pool. And, yes. and how do you ensure that you don't go back to those old habits once you get out of this negative money mindset? Do you get out? <laughs> I hope so. I do think you get out and I think it's a practice and it's a process and it's like building a muscle at the gym and there's some discomfort to sit in. And there are ways in which it's going to feel like withdrawal. You said you identify as a people pleaser. Trust me. I have lived decades of my life identifying (laughs) people pleaser, peacekeeper, you know, conflict avoider, don't rock the boat, you know, all of it. And the thing is that for those of us who identify as those descriptors, as well as those of us who identify as overgivers, overachievers, type A people, what really ultimately is happening is that we have spent our lives determining our own sense of value and worth by what we do for other people, by what we achieve, by what we produce. And so it's also about unhooking that. So our value and our worth is inherent in who we are as opposed to latched to something that we do or achieve or produce. And this is a big unhooking for people. There's another aspect there too, which you you reminded me of is there's a, there's a level of comfort. If you've been a certain way for so long, even if you know it's a problem or if you know it's something you need to work on, the devil you know sometimes is better than the devil you don't. And going outside of that and growing and establishing a, a new mindset can be terrifying for people, even though consciously you know that's a positive change and that's where I want to go. Sometimes just staying in something that you're so, it's like a little blanket. <laughs> something that you're so comfortable in can just make it so much easier for you to fall back on. It's just like anything else. If you want to grow as a person, you want to improve, you have to go outside of your comfort zone and just be prepared to be in a in an unfamiliar area for a while until it becomes familiar and you can that can be the new normal for you. Exactly. And also recognizing that not choosing to grow and evolve is a choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, okay, so you have the the new book coming out, The Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free. So Worthy, the Money Mindset book, probably could have been precipitated by the the boundaries, because I think that's the the real basis to establish to start your work on money mindset. Would you agree, or do I have it all wrong? It's not that you have it all wrong. I mean, I have had, in all my books, boundaries has been a through line. So it was a through line in my book, in Worthy. And then the next book that was called Permission to Put Yourself First. And then the book that's out now, Setting Boundaries to Set You Free, my most recent book, I wrote that because I saw how the boundary piece was what got so illuminated in all the other books. And it was the piece that people were wanting more of. And so while the boundary piece is a foundation in order to be able to make change, know your worth, put yourself first, it becomes almost uh, like a cycle that in order to set the boundaries, you have to know your worth. But in order to know your worth, you also have to be willing to set the boundaries. So it kind of goes both ways. 
And I'm thinking you also have to get to a point where you're comfortable with maybe pissing someone off or turning them away as a client and just being okay with that. You have to be able to say that's okay Mm -hmm. and setting those boundaries. Because if you you set those boundaries and you say, this is my line in the sand, you know, you can do whatever you want, but this is what I'm going to, how I'm going to respond or not. There's going to be those people that are going to be like, how dare you? I'm paying you. Why aren't you answering my emails at midnight? So you have to be prepared for that. It's confrontation. It is negativity. You have to be prepared to turn that away or, or to call it a day on that. Are there, besides reading your amazing books, are there any exercises or any other resources that you could recommend to help people strengthen themselves and in, in that kind of resolve? All of my books have lots of exercises, very practical, very step-by-step tips in them. So all of my books are really designed as self-study coaching programs. Yeah, they are very thorough. I do. I mean, I have turned them into coaching curricula that I teach and that I guide and lead. But, you know, all the books have very practical, applicable tips and steps and actions. The thing to remember here, and I'm, I'm mentioning this because you were talking about confrontation. Right. That... So many people are driven by that fear of conflict. Yes. And the truth of the matter is I look at conflict as simply being an illumination of our differences. So conflict doesn't have to be confrontation. Conflict doesn't even need to be mean and nasty. Conflict can simply be, this is how I operate. This is how you operate. And it's kind of like the old, let's agree to disagree But Mm -hmm. what we have to look at is where am I overstepping my own boundaries to please someone else and deplete myself? Hmm. In your professional opinion here, what kind of advice could you give a designer that was throwing around, you know, am I really worth charging, you know, is is my time worth $195 an hour? Should I really be charging $195 an hour or should I just charge $125 because I know I'll get the job? How can you help them make that shift that says, hey, wait, I am worth $195 an hour. And if you don't have the money, I'm not your girl. How do you let that designer like a little insight to, hey, yeah, I am worth that. I need to be charging that. How do they wrap their head around that one? It comes back to being willing to value my own time, to value my own skill set, to value what I bring to the table, to recognize that I'm providing a service. And this is invaluable. Exactly. That is valuable. And that this is the investment that is required for me to show up and deliver. And if they don't like it, they can just go to someone else. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. And that's an important Mm -hmm. piece there that I want to highlight because what often happens in these kinds of conversations is, okay, so like you're saying, the designer has set herself at 195 an hour or whatever. And someone comes in and says, oh my God, that's too expensive. I can't pay that. The impulse is to say, well, what can you pay? Or the impulse is to say, oh, well, for you, I'll take 10% off or I'll take it down to 125. That is the way we devalue ourselves. You know, and I think in, when we first started, do, we first started Darla Palantirs, we were more apt to do that. But just recently, we had a client that said, um, here's the prices that you offered me on the proposal, but here's what I counterproposed for you for prices. And we were like, um, no, thank you. Um, Darla was like, um, Natalie Handel. Uh, no, I didn't. I said, <laughs> you didn't, but I just I said, we're I, not a flea market. No, I um, it felt really good to know and to stand in your own space. Mm-hmm. And I emailed mm-hmm. him back and said, well, actually, what you're asking us to do is going to be more money. 
because you are actually adding on to your scope of work and the timeline that you're lurking it working with and, and you lurking. want yeah and you're you want with. from us is not going to happen for four to six weeks and they went on their merry way and it felt amazing right it did feel good because natalie and i both natalie has struggled in that too where we've had clients that i said natalie that's just too little and she's like well let's take the project for some of the same reasons i've mentioned to you and we didn't sign that client but i think that we did better than if we had signed the client i think we dodged a bullet i think so too if that makes sense yeah, so that there's a little win for us. So it hasn't been all bad money might say. No. Maybe maybe that was the part where she had really been listening to your book and paying attention. I'm yeah. just saying she has been listening to your book. So I'm halfway through it. Maybe we are winning here, Nancy. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what I, what I did want to ask you, Nancy, is that we are, you know, we're all women here. And that tends to be our experience in that women are the majority of the people with the money mindset issue that are raised to be people pleasers. And you even referred to, you know, women being seen, not heard, being a nice little girl. But how, how what kind of a percentage do you think that men are afflicted with this kind of situation as well? Is it as far as a ratio? Because we do have a lot of men who are designers who are listening as well. I certainly see it in men as well. I would, however, say it's predominantly dominant in women. <laughs> I think that yeah. I think that it's typically historically, stereotypically shows up in women more. Do you see that changing at all with the younger demographics? Because I'm in my 50s, right? So we were raised at a different time, which is exactly on the money how you said we we're raised to be. Do you, do you think that the younger women, their 20s, the 30s, the millennials, the Gen Zs, do you think they're going to have the same situation? Or do, you, do you see a healthier money mindset for them? I am seeing a healthier money mindset. I think that there is a real opportunity here. And I'm seeing that it's sort of leveling out a bit between men and women, that it it doesn't seem that things are so skewed the way that they were before. That's awesome. So there's some there's some hope. Nancy, thank you so much for providing us this insight on the money mindset. It's actually been very helpful. And Natalie over there was looking at me with some aha moments for sure. And the books, like I said, I'm halfway through Worthy. It is incredibly comprehensive. And, and like, I'll download Boundaries for it. Don't worry. Go. Okay. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and there are a lot of exercises in there. So it's very hands-on. So it's not just something you're going to listen to one day and forget the next day. But now, Nancy, I have to ask you if you're ready for the What Up Wingnut round. Sure. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. Nancy Levin, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be and why? An aspen tree. I just like the way the colors change. Oh, very nice. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? She honored herself. Ooh, that's good. That, that, that ties right in with the boundaries. Mm-hmm. If you could have only one superpower, what would it be and why? I think it would be actually the one I, that I think I have, which is that I, I have a reputation for achieving the impossible. And I, I like that one. <laughs> oh, okay, great. So you're a self-realized superhuman. <laughs> Superhero. That's the word I was thinking of. Last but not least, please recommend a book that has had a profound effect on you either personally or professionally and not one of your own. Yeah, uh, Dark Side of the Light Chasers by Debbie Ford. Oh, what's, what's that about? That, uh, that's a first. So she was actually my mentor and my teacher, and it's really about uh, the shadow. And so that became very instrumental in the work I do and the torch I'm carrying of her legacy. She died in 2013. Oh, sorry about that. Okay, so that was Dark Side of the Light Chasers by Debbie Ford. That's right. 
Nancy, thank you so much for joining us. Please tell the wingnuts listening where they can find out more about you and how to grab your your books or where they can see you and all that good stuff. Yeah. So my website is nancylevin.com and everything is there. My books, my social media, some freebies, all the things. Awesome. Ooh, I'm going to go there for freebies. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have to go download some of my workbook stuff for the book. So I will be over there in a hot minute. Nancy, thank you so much for joining us on the Wingnut Social Podcast. You have been very enlightening and we really appreciate it. Thank you. Natalie, I need to create some boundaries. I need to stand in my space. I know. I'm As Sandra little, Funk says. I'm a little scared of that, but yeah. <laughs> You should be. I should be. You should be scared of that. You know uh-huh. that, right? I think mm-hmm. that is that part of it too, because it's not just business and it's not just money mindset. It's relationships too, right? Right. Sometimes I feel like I have to stand in your space to make sure nobody runs on you or runs all over you. It's so funny. I was a cop for for almost nineteen years, and I hate confrontation. Well, firefighters protect cops. I'm just saying. Wait, what? what? You are out of we your fix mind. You up when you're bleeding and stuff. I'm just saying. Girl, girl, girl. You know, Nancy had a lot of great stuff to say. And I do know that by you listening to her book and you going on and you um, mm-hmm. all excited about her new one coming out, that if it has made a difference. It's out. Not coming. It's already okay, out. Okay, it's out. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. But if it has made a difference in your life, I guarantee you it's going to make a difference in someone else's. And I all I do believe that it is a mindset of to be seen and not heard. And you mm-hmm. have to you have to learn to maybe get past that and get over that. And that was a time of the past. And to stand in your own space, regardless of what you do, charge your worth. If you are worth $195 an hour, you charge that $195 an hour because if someone does not pay you that, then they are not your ideal client. And so totally stand your space, block it off, rope it off. This is who I am. This is what I've got. I'm available Monday through Thursday. And if you don't like it, too bad. You know what I found interesting was that you had some sense of affirmation, some sense of accomplishment by turning away the less than ideal client. I did. It was really actually, it was a pretty pleasing in my mind because I was trying to be the supportive role here and listening to what you were saying is like my gut saying red flag, my gut saying red flag. And as the CEO, I'm thinking Benjamins, Benjamins, Benjamins. And then <laughs> I started thinking, I'm like, okay, what are her red flags? Let me listen. Let me change the way that I listen. Let me approach it from a, a, a different point. And I started listening to the client and everything that came back at me, it was slapping me in the face. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that is a red flag. Oh, so let that me is ask a you red this. flag. So when I put the ball back in their court and told them, hey, I appreciate what you guys are telling me, but what you're telling me is actually more work than we initially had started. And the fact that they thought that we could stop on a dime mm-hmm. and take care of what they needed within two weeks, I was like, oh, hell no, we don't do that here. <laughs> not this is in those not, words. Yeah, but this is not what we do to my team. I will not put my team under that pressure. Mm-hmm. I will not put anybody under that pressure. And I simply sent a very nice email back and said, I would love to chat with you guys, but do realize that our timeline is at least four to six weeks. It could be possibly longer Mm -hmm. that we will not have a lighting plan to you in less than two weeks. I guess they figured the pandemic and the COVID-19 that everybody was just hurting for business. Keep in mind, this is also in the middle of a pandemic where, you know, the leads haven't exactly been flying in. So, I'm pretty proud of you for that. So I I do know I need to step up more on my on my side of the game with that. But just I was wondering if you think back to some of the past clients that we've had where we haven't necessarily set those boundaries and we've gone against our gut. If you could 
take a little time machine and go back in time, would you... Can you see yourself asserting some different things in those scenarios? Oh, absolutely. Because I think as business matures, I guess, gets older. And the longer that you are in business, obviously, you're going to learn from the mistakes. And the mistakes that we made early on in business, we don't make them again. We learned from those. And by turning away a client is definitely just proof of how much we did learn. And when we do take on a new client, it's very easy now for me anyways, to set those boundaries and say, hey, that's great, but this is when we're going to respond to you. This is what we've got going on. And I don't really you know, foresee mm-hmm. any of the problems that arose in the past to come back up because I believe that we've we've squashed them and we've worked them out and there's always ways around it. And on a site visit today, it was very simple. I know they were so concerned about a drop ceiling and not having enough space for lighting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not worried about it. Because I'm not worried about, because there is a solution to every problem. So if a mm-hmm. homeowner is just totally dead set on, oh, we can't do this, we can't do that, we've even done this. I'm like, it's going to be okay. I'm like, <laughs> That's your homeowner voice? Yeah. There's ways around it. I'm like, it's very simple. We just get the lights. We You're move so the transformer calm. to the wall. And mm-hmm. I go, I go, I'm not worried. I, I admire how calm you are. I want to ask you something. And Nancy's 55. I'm 52. You're, you'll be 42 shortly. Ha ha. Hush. But you're a raised, we, we like to tease Amish. You were raised German Baptist. Were you also raised to be seen and not heard, to be really nice, to be that that good little girl growing up? Because I see a very small percentage of it in you, but not nearly to the, the extreme that I have. I was raised that mm-hmm. way, right. but I also, I don't know. That's a hard question because, yes, I was raised quite differently than everybody else, but I was allowed to play sports. <laughs> yeah. and uh, softball imagine yeah. that no I played basketball I had a scholarship oh. but I played basketball and that allowed me I think an outlet to where I didn't have to say a whole lot and I pretty much let my actions show for what I wanted to accomplish elbows to the face well occasionally but uh <laughs> it, it just so being seen and not heard I didn't have to say anything they already knew kind of I, I don't know that sounds really no, weird that actually is interesting. but I mean it I I didn't really have to say a whole lot because as an athlete, I played volleyball, softball, and basketball, and I never had to say a whole lot that I let my actions on the field or on the court speak for who I really was. So do you think that playing sports as a young woman growing up in high school and some in college, do you think that helped to strengthen your character? Would you? I think so. Would it be safe to say that had you not done that, that you would have more of a challenge in this area? I believe so, because that taught me the whole team effort and mm-hmm. how it is, even though I may have possibly been the star it wasn't really about me it (laughs) was it it was about the team right because we all supported each other and you know I was so fortunate to recently get together with some of my teammates my basketball teammates and we had so much fun going over and we're all grown up now and it's very scary and I'll have children we're old but it was just so funny to just go back and talk about how we couldn't have done this without the other one so after talking to Nancy and knowing me the way you do, what hit home with you as far as what she said and applying it to my mindset for our two businesses for money? I believe for you in my um, Dr. Natalie here. Um, <laughs> Just don't forget the star. Oh, so, that's why Nat- uh, your daughter, Abby, says, says our, I'm extra. Our, you're yes. extra. Listen, you asked me to be vulnerable. I was trying to be vulnerable. <laughs> Go ahead and make fun of me. It's fine. I don't mind. The star. I didn't, I didn't say it had to be with me. <laughs> Okay, go. Answer my question. I think that with you, Darla, it was probably you are 10 years older than I am. Mm -hmm. And it was a generation that you were raised in. And I Mm -hmm. believe that you guys were really taught to Mm -hmm. be seen and not heard. And I 
don't think that you maybe had an outlet that you could express yourself in to where other people saw you without you saying anything. Yeah, the only thing I did was running on my own, not in a sports kind of situation. I was always just very alone. I, I ate my feelings. I swallowed my feelings. I had some other extra stuff going on in my life that was not healthy growing up and that was definitely boundary violations, too. And yeah, it, I think that's just still, even though you're 52 and a grown woman, I think that kid still lives there, that frightened kid or whatever. Absolutely. I think everybody can revert back to mm-hmm. that. And if, if you can find a book that helps you or you can find somebody to talk to that helps you, I mean, by all means, don't don't not do it just because it's the cool thing to do or it's whatever. Well, listen, back to Nancy, right? So I'm only halfway through her book and I had to have her on the podcast. So that should be some kind of endorsement there. Guys, if you're struggling with money mindset, go to the Nancy Levin website. It'll be all in the show notes, wingnutsocial.com slash podcast. Um, thank you for your insight on that too, Natalie, and allowing me to interview you, the star of the Princeton you know what? Basketball Hush, team. No, just stop. Just stop, Darla. You know, I was vulnerable for one minute and you run with it. I, I you are a, a true cop. I'm an <laughs> Yes. But that's okay. All right, guys, we hope you're well. Hope you're staying safe. Be sure to follow us on social at Wingnut Social. And I think that's it for today, Nat. Got anything else? Nope. So long. See you. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next week for more business and marketing info and insightful interviews with industry experts and design superstars. Can't wait? Then head on over to wingnutsocial.com for more great content to help you get your business to the next level. Are you asking people to marry you? No, I did that once. That was enough. Seems to me you've done it twice. Somebody come get her. She's dancing like a stripper. Same person. It doesn't count. Interior crocodile alligator. I drive a Chevrolet movie theater. All right, guys. Let me tell you a little bit about Nancy Levin. Lazar... Look at the difference between my response to you making fun of me and your response to me making fun of you. I would like you to look at this textbook proper response. Ha ha ha, Natalie, that's funny. I know you're laughing with me and not at me. Good boy, Mango.